we're in this series, The Red Letters of Jesus, and we don't sidestep any of those letters. And Jesus is talking about, um, he mentions the judgment in this in this passage, in this conversation. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the, at the good, the bad, and the judgment. So um, John chapter 5, verses 24 through 29. I've been, uh, I've struggled with this passage this week. And, um, but I think, I think God has given us a word. So um, I, I hope that comes through. But John chapter 5, verses 24 through 29. And, and we've slowed down. And as we're looking and we're focusing on the red letters of Jesus, meaning the words recorded that Jesus spoke. And um, we're looking at the way Jesus lived what he said, what he did, as a way of understanding life, the world, ourselves. Um, And we understand all that through Christ. And he heals a man on the Sabbath. You may remember that. And right after that, the religious leaders begin, it says, persecuting him. They, They decide they want to kill him. And so they have uh, cornered him. They're questioning Jesus um, because he broke the religious law. And this is, this is his engagement still with these religious leaders. All the, all the letters are in red in this passage today. So this is how Jesus is responding to them. So, uh, John five verses 24 through 29. And this is mainly from the message that I'm going to read from. It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now and aligns himself with the Father who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is not in judgment. This person has taken a giant step from the world of the dead to the world of the living. It's urgent that you get this right. The time has arrived, I mean right now, when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God and hearing will come alive. Just as the Father has life in himself, he has conferred on the Son life in himself. And he has given him the authority simply because he is the Son of Man to decide and carry out matters of judgment. Don't act so surprised at all this. The time is coming when everyone dead and buried will hear his voice. Those who have lived the good into a resurrection life, those who have lived the evil or the bad into a resurrection judgment. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we, I especially need your help as we um, wade into these mysterious waters. John 3.17 says that you, Jesus, did not come to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through you. So how do we square this with that? I pray you would show us the way, Holy Spirit. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here even, I pray that just briefly we would be still and hear from you. I pray especially that we would hear the voice of grace and forgiveness and unconditional acceptance and love, which is deeper than everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to try to get at this passage talking about two mystical 
experiences, two mystical um, revelations, visions, in fact. One is from the Old Testament, and this is from the, the prophet Ezekiel. And then another, we'll fast forward um, about 1,800 years probably to the 14th century and hear from Lady Julian of Norwich. Two mystical visions that I think will help us understand this passage before us, okay? So the, the first vision and mystical experiences from this guy, Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He lived um, about 600 years before Christ. He uh, lived during the Babylonian captivity. So God's people, the Jewish people, a lot, not all of them, but many of them were held captive in the, the empire of the day, which was Babylon. And so many were there as slaves, as servants. And then you had some still back uh, um, in, in the homeland. And Ezekiel is, is the preacher for the day. He's, he's the prophet that is trying, his audience is really both of those groups. Now, Ezekiel, right here in this passage, we heard this title, the Son of Man. The first time that shows up in the Bible is actually in Ezekiel. And it is, it is what Ezekiel is called, what this prophet is called, and it's mentioned many, many, many times throughout the book. Son of Man, Son of Man, a reference for this prophet. So here's what that means. So it, for Ezekiel, it just means... The servant of humanity, a, a human being called to serve humanity, other human beings. So he's called the son of man. And we'll see Jesus takes that upon his lips, his own mouth um, later. Okay, so in Ezekiel 37, we have this, this is when this mystical encounter with Christ is, is it's where it's chronicled uh, or encounter, encounter with God, let's say. And uh, this is how it goes. So this is, now this is, a, is a, a really interesting vision. I don't know if you're familiar with this. This is a pretty obscure Old Testament text, um, but let me try to describe it for you. So uh, Ezekiel is taken away by the Spirit, and this is what he actually sees. Like this is, it seems like real life to him. Now it's, it's a vision, but he looks out over this valley, and he just sees a bunch of human remains, like bones, dry bones in this valley that have been there for a long time. The the emphasis being very dry. So he sees like a sea of bones. Okay, that's the vision. That's pretty weird, right? Well, the Spirit then, God says this to Ezekiel. He asks me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. And you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So the Spirit tells Ezekiel to begin like preaching to these bones. And, and so he does. 
Um, I often feel like that on Sundays. Um, not, not here, in other, in other churches, in other churches, um, similar calling. But he just begins doing that. Just like preaching to a sea of dry bones. And all of a sudden, there's like this rattle in the valley. I told the ladies at, the, at Western Correctional Center this morning, I sort of go with like the Grateful Dead. I actually said like a heavy metal video. But also I'll, afterwards, I'm thinking of the Grateful Dead and I'm seeing these skeletons that sort of begin to like rattle. And then, and then all of a sudden, like an arm bone, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how this works, but an arm bone joins like this bone, and then you have the femur joins the thigh bone or whatever those are called. And you have these bones that were just individual, a pile of bones begin to form into skeletons. And then like tendons and flesh begin to appear. And what was just a sea of dry bones becomes a sea of human beings, of people. But at this point in the vision, Ezekiel is told that although he's preaching for breath and the spirit to come, there is no breath or spirit yet. These, he just sees a group of, it's like sort of like the walking dead. You know, he just sees like some zombies out there. They, they don't have life yet. And so then this is what the spirit says. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, And say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. And all of a sudden, what was just a sea of bones is a sea of living people, a whole army of them. So it's a mass of people. That's the vision. And then it's interpreted in Ezekiel 37, and it's said that these people were once cut off. Like, um, I mean, I think we could think of like in hell. They're cut off. They are without hope, it says in, 30, in Ezekiel 37. But here's uh, this, this is the God that is. God is a God who gives life into dry bones who takes people that are seemingly cut off without hope and provides new life, new creation. This is what the whole vision is about. He's telling us he could go tell my people that I haven't forgotten them. I'm going to give them new life from dry bones. I'm going to cause them to be resurrected right before our eyes. And so this is what God does in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 37, and it's what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 5. These people were cut off, but here's the good news. Life conquers death and judgment. Death and judgment go together. Those are real things, but life is deeper Life conquers death and the grave and judgment itself. There's something underneath existence, the very core, the grain of all that is. And here's the good news. It's love. It's love. So the main teaching today, this is good news. No one is outside the grace of God ever. And that means ever. (laughs) 
No one is outside the grace of God. It's deeper. It's deeper than judgment, than death, all those things. So let's, let's look at the good, the bad, and the judgment. In this text, um, Jesus does, he's talking about present realities, and we've talked about this um, most Sundays as we look at Jesus. To Jesus, his focus when he shows up is this present life, not the, not the next. And he's always focusing on present realities, but then in this passage, he does get in, he goes through the veil, through death, into the afterlife, you might say, but present realities just extend into the next. And he talks about those that, that go through the veil and those that lived the good immediately into this resurrection life and those that lived or did the bad or the evil into this resurrection judgment. Well, what's the good? The good is, is quite simply this. Is, is, this is the gospel. Um, Jesus will say later, uh, in fact, in, in this passage, we'll see, he will be asked by these same people, what must we do to do the good? What must we do to do the works of God is how they'll put it. And this is Jesus' response. Just believe in the one that he sent. This is, the, this is what it means to do the good. You just listen to Jesus. That's it. You just listen for him. You trust, you trust, you listen, and you trust him. That is it. Now, you may be thinking, that's not a work, and you would be right. That's, that is not a performance at all. That's, that's the good, just listening to Jesus, listening to the Christ That's what it means. Trusting in the Son, that's the good. And then, yes, your life, the fruit of your life will reveal whether or not we are trusting in Christ. And it will look like loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Chiefly, that that sums up the good life. But in Jesus' mind, the good are simply those who listen, who pay attention, who hear and trust. The bad, those who commit the evil, it says here. And this is antiquated language from a particular context, no doubt. And it's fine to kind of work, contextualize this language. But we'll use the language that's used here. The, the bad are just those who reject the voice of Christ. Really what Jesus has in mind here is it's those who stay dead spiritually. They're they're. They're already dead in, in, in Christ's mind. And when we, not, when we reject the voice of Christ, we stay dead. Nothing new happens. We stay, as it were, dry bones. That's the bad. So we know the good is just simply listening to Christ. The bad is rejecting Christ and staying dead spiritually, which is really... What that means, it's, it's a rejection of your true self. Christ comes, one way to think of Christ is to reveal all that is and all that is you. And so to reject the voice of Christ it is to reject you and to live according to false self. And so, yeah, that's got to be dealt with. That false self, if we die we stay dead spiritually, then we go into what is called, and this is where Jesus in verses um, 28 and 29, he does move in, he goes through the veil of death, and I believe moves into what happens next. 
after we go through that doorway. And those who um, have rejected their true self maintain, the ego, as it were, maintains operative. The false self is still in charge through the door, through the veil. And there's this thing called the judgment. Well, what is that? And what is it for? And this is where I want to concentrate the rest of our time. Um, This, once again, all, all three of these categories are present realities that extend into the next, at least for some time. Okay, well, what is, what is judgment in the Bible? A lot of Christians, a lot of religious people get this wrong. Uh, Romans 1 is a good place to go. Again, very antiquated language there to a certain context um, that Paul's speaking into. But, but in a nutshell, what he's saying is God's about the business of giving you what you want. And when we choose our false self, when we live and follow our ego and become this ego-driven, self-absorbed individual, well, yes, eventually that becomes its own form of self-judgment. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you, you, that misery that you feel and that I feel when I'm utterly self-absorbed is its own form of judgment. Pre- and it's meant to be something, uh, Paul's talking about something in this life, not the next, but this is what happens in this life. And, and we, if we stay dead, in other words, reject the voice of Christ or and, and uh, reject Christ, we will continue in that state through the veil, through the door into the next life. But judgment is simply God giving us over to do what we want to do. And if we follow the through the wide gate and stay on that road that leads to destruction in this life, it is its own form of judgment that continues into the next. But in the next, God deals with it. God will deal with it. But I hope we understand that judgment, um, you know, isn't some sort of like hurricane that comes to shore or some natural disaster um, that God sends on the wicked. No, no, no. That, that, that's actually a trumpet blast, according to Revelation, where God's trying to get us to get our attention, I, I believe. It's, but it is not judgment. Judgment looks like me just doing what I want to do in my own self-absorbed, ego-driven way. That is its own form of judgment. So in verses 28 and 29, we've gone now. Jesus takes us into, through the door into the next life to this thing called the judgment. It doesn't say a whole lot about it, but let's look at what he does say. Um, it seems like for Jesus, uh, death is almost irrelevant. Uh, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, I think it's why Paul in the New Testament will refer to someone who dies as just falling asleep. First of all, everyone's, you see in this passage, everyone is resurrected. Everyone is resurrected. Okay, so, so again, death is just a doorway into something else. It's not that big of a deal, it seems, to Jesus. And so he talks about this state once those go through death, through the door, um, this, this, into this judgment for some and into this resurrection life for others. And that's just this present life extending into the next. Here's what we can tell or say about this uh, resurrection of judgment. First of all, um, as I said, staying lost continues after death. We are not told, though, for how long. There is no language about eternity here. It's not here. There is no, there's this judgment, there is no language of, of it being eternal. But there is this thing called a judgment. So we know that. It doesn't say it's for eternity. 
Um, we also know this, by that we know this life matters. Like what we do in this life matters. Um, it, we will have to give an account. Uh, we, we, all of us. But that's part of this judgment. An account will be given. Clearly what we do in this life matters. But here's the good news. The judgment ends. God's love does not. And this is where I want to focus on as we get to Lady Julian of Norwich. Because I think her vision kind of shows us where it's all headed. And a big clue here in our passage is this son of man. You see, how does this passage square with John three seventeen, where, where Jesus says, I did not come to judge the world, but so that the whole world would be saved through me. That's what it says there. So how do we square this judgment, whatever it is, with that? Well, a clue is the son of man title that Jesus takes upon himself. What that means is he's not just the judge. He's also the servant of humanity. This is a judge who comes to serve humanity, not to dole out punishment. And that changes everything. It changes how we view justice and judgment and the judge. This son of man title is a clue that this is unlike any other judge. So what is it? How does Jesus, how does he live in the world? Where, where do we go to like answer the question? Again, the question being, how do we square John three seventeen? mentioned just two chapters earlier with this passage in John 5, where we look to Jesus in his life and we see how he, quote, judges. And here's what we find. He only heals people. Every, like everyone indiscriminately, he just heals people. And so we begin to learn something about judgment. It's this restorative justice, a judgment that is meant to heal because that's who this judge is as a son of man. Think about how Jesus actually treats people. And I really encourage you to do that. Like really focus on how Jesus acts in the gospels as it's recorded. Does he ever punish anyone? Remember, this is God who has taken on flesh. Okay, well, here's our Richard War moment for this Sunday. This is what Richard War says. Jesus never punished anybody. If you look at his life, what you see is he never punished anybody. Yes, he challenged people, particularly the religious people, but always for the sake of insight, healing, and restoration of people and situations to their divine origin and source. This judgment is going to finally, once and for all, do away with the false self so that the true self may come to the fore. That's what I believe is happening. And here's where Lady Julian of Norwich confirms that. Um, you know, we're, just as an aside, a lot, some of us are in the prison system every Sunday morning. And we're reminded every Sunday of what a retributive system looks like, which is our prison system. It, it, it operates according to reward and punishment. That's how not rehabilitation, not healing, not restoration. Restorative justice is at the core of our just God. And the difference is it's all about Whatever judgment takes place, and, and we will give an account, just like step five in the, in the 12 steps of, of AA that we 
as, as part of the liturgy last Sunday, we will, we, we will all give an account. We should go ahead and get started <laughs> giving an account for all of our wrongs, but it's so that in the end we might be healed, restored. That's restoration versus retributive process. And this is who we see with Jesus. Um, okay, so Julian of Norwich. Born in 1343. If, if you think your life is hard now, imagine being born during the bubonic plague uh, in Europe when literally half of the population was died. So this is poor lady Julian of Norwich's fate. Um, this is when she is born. Not a good time to be around as a human being. Uh, and now, in, in, in the, the Catholic Church at this time, um, you can probably imagine, really just in culture, women were not, not prized so much, especially in the church. Um, but there are these exceptions, these Christian mystics, whose, whose connection to the divine was just undeniable. And this, this becomes uh, Julian of Norwich. So um, this is what she decides to do voluntarily. She willingly decides to live her life in a cell, basically a prison cell, except not, not behind bars. It's, it's a room in a church where she has one window that looks outside and one window that looks in. And her whole mission in life, her calling, in fact, in life is to, uh, now you don't have to do this. I hope you know this. You don't have to be cloistered in order to experience the divine, to experience God within. But, but some people were called to that for the sake of others. And this is, what, this is what she chooses to do. And then she sort of becomes famous, and people will come to visit her, receive counsel from her. And she actually prayed. And I was, as, by the way, I was helped greatly this past Sunday from a Brian Zahn sermon. You'll probably see this in the House of Mercy News. He preached a whole sermon on Lady Julian of Norwich. And so I'm going to pull some of her revelations from that sermon. But she prayed for an experience a near-death experience. She prayed for this so that she might understand the sufferings of Christ. And guess what? God granted that prayer. And so she, she may have contracted the plague. Uh, we're, not, we're not sure, but she gets deathly ill. And she's at the point of death. In fact, a priest comes to, to, to give the last rites. And it was in this liminal state like hovering between life and death, that she had this direct encounter with Christ. And 20 years later, she wrote down these, what she calls showings. So just like Ezekiel, she, she had this vision, actually 16 of them. And later she write, writes those down, and you can, you can actually read those. It's called the, the Revelations of Divine Love. I want to end the sermon by just bringing Lady Julian of Norwich to bear. So stay with me. Um... This is how it's, this is, these are visions of where it's all headed, okay? After this judgment, and even what the judgment is for, which I'm saying is for restoration, this is where it's all headed. Um, if you see, if you're, you were to see a, an icon of Julian of Norwich, she usually has a hazelnut in her palm. And you may be thinking to yourself, what's weird? What is that all about? Well, this is, this is where that comes from. In the first revelation, she says this. The Lord showed me a tiny thing, no bigger than a hazelnut, lying in the palm of his hand. I looked at it, puzzled, and thought, what is it? The answer came, it is everything that is made. I wondered how it could survive. It was so small. 
Then I was answered, it exists now and always because God loves it. Thus I understood that everything exists through the love of God. In this small thing, I saw three truths. God made it, God loves it, God keeps it. Now, as, as Brian Zahn pointed out, we know a lot more scientifically than Lady Julian of Norwich knew in the 14th century about the universe. This is what's being said. That hazelnut represents some two trillion galaxies, um, trillions and billions of stars, and you, all in the palm of the, the very hand of God. This is very near and dear to me. I, I, I've shared my own, I had a mystical experience. Today, it's the most vivid one where the words were manifested to me, you're in the palm of my hand. It was said at least three times, you're in the palm of my hand. And so I, Julian Norris is very dear to me because I feel like a kindred spirit there. But friends, that's not just true for me. What she saw is it's true for for everything that exists in the palm of God's hand. Then the 13th revelation came, and she says this, I had often wondered why God in his wisdom could not have prevented the origin of sin. Have you ever thought about that? That's, that's a really good question. Like, like um, the theodicy, like the, why is there suffering in the world? The problem of evil. It's a good thing to, to contemplate. She asked that question, had often asked that question. She says, for if he had prevented this, I thought, then all would have been well. But Jesus answered me with these words, sin is necessary or inevitable. Think about it this way. Uh, divine love is never forced. Remember, God is about the business of giving us what we want. In order for there to actually be a relationship, you can't have puppets, so, so sin is inevitable in that way. It's, it's necessary. But here we, here we go. This is where it's all headed. But all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. In this way, the Lord answered all the questions and doubts that I could raise very comfortingly, he said to me, I may make all things well. I can make all things well. I will make all things well. And I shall make all things well. You will see it for yourself that all manner of things shall be well. That's good news. Does that feel like good news? Does that sound like good news? Dry bones come to life. <laughs> Jesus, what's, what's good about the gospel? What's the good news today as it relates to this passage? No one is outside the grace of God ever. There is something deeper than judgment, deeper than evil, than the bad. Evil is temporary, friends. It's real. It is temporary. God's love is forever and for all. And we're told in Acts 3, 18, or Acts 3, 21, that all will be restored. That means everything. So your story is not done being written. <laughs> if, if life is hard right now, just hang on to that good news. It is still being written, and this is where it's headed. 
Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this good news. And I, I do pray that you would, Holy Spirit, I call upon you to, to breathe life into us. Like now, not later. Now and later. Please. In Jesus' name, amen.